Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From West Africa to East Africa to Southeastern Asia, the way the evolution goes is quite impressive. You start with a loan that's for 5 euros, 6 euros, paid off twice, three times. And then instead of getting a five-euro loan, I get a 10-euro loan. I get a 20-euro loan. That evolution is very quick in, in emerging markets. In a recent study, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania found that they could bring about significant genomic changes in populations of fruit flies simply by adding different species of microbes to their food. Now, they weren't doing this because they wanted to engineer a better fruit fly, I assume. Their webpage includes lots of fancy words like environmental heterogeneity, identified molecular polymorphism, and differential fitness of genotypes. So maybe they do, but it's much more likely that they experimented on fruit flies because they have such short generations. In this study, the changes were identified after just five generations. Still, In human terms, five generations would take 135 years to play out. It's the span from your great-grandparents to your children. With fruit flies, on the other hand, Google tells me it's easy to breed more than 20 generations in a single year. This is a tangent, but it speaks to a concept I've previously appreciated, but maybe never quite articulated, that we can create more data simply by designing strategies with faster iterations. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Burak, it is great to see you again. Welcome to the show. This is your first appearance on How to Lend Money to Strangers, but not the first time we've spoken about you. I spoke to Paul Randall about 30 episodes ago, and your name came up because I used to work for you. I was going to say in simpler times, but if I remember right, we were actually still going through a financial crisis then as well, but different times at least. So let's start by picking up there. What were you doing in your career before you joined Credit Info? Before joining Credit Info, I worked for about 15 years uh, for Experian. I used to work within the global consultancy group. So I was working with financial institutions. I was working with telecommunications organizations of different size, basically, across EMEA. You know, all the way from the Nordics down to South Africa, from Portugal to Pakistan, basically. It was a lot of fun. And before Experian, I spent a couple of years at Bank of America. I was managing the collections portfolio as well as customer management side of the business for the retail portfolio, basically. And before Bank of America, again, I spent some time in the U.S. with Discover Card, responsible for the collection analytics. And prior to that one, boy, it's difficult to remember. It's been... It's been such a long time. Uh, again, I was on the on the collections side for an organization called uh, Transamerica, actually, doing credit limit assignments, doing periodical evaluation of SMEs, 
as well as uh, private label credit card business. You know, if I think particularly for you know, Bank of America or Experian, those are really big names in, in the finance space. But you left, well, about two years ago now to join Credit Info, which I guess at the time would have still been a relatively small challenger credit bureau in an industry that is dominated by just a handful of big names. So maybe we could just do a quick refresher on who Credit Info is and maybe what you saw in the small upstart, this challenger credit bureau that made you say, yeah, I'm going to take the leap. Absolutely. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective, actually. Credit info, yes, in relation to the Experian and uh, the TransUnions and so on and so forth, is not as large. However, Credit Info is a very quickly, very fast-growing organization, and their focus is very much on emerging markets. And that was the piece that was really attractive. You know, the over-encompassing idea is Credit Info's focus is on providing access to finance within the emerging countries. That was the main driver for me, you know, this, this, this call basically to work with countries, to work in the parts of the world. Everything is so dynamic. Everything is so moving. You take an action and you see immediately the impact of that one. That's something, you know, you roll up your sleeves and you just basically get on with it. Let's talk about that and, and what your team's doing in the, in the two years you've been at Credit Info. So let me take a step back and talk a little bit about how Credit Info operates. You know, there's two distinct engagement styles. One is the ownership, you know, Credit Info owns and operates credit bureaus. The other one is a partnership. Uh, we basically implement systems. We provide the necessary expertise to run the credit bureau. In this partnership model, we operate in uh, nine different countries, and seven of those countries, you know, we work directly with the central banks. So that's a very unique engagement model that we got. On the other side, on the ownership side, it is 24 different countries that we operate. That's the, you know, if you were to look at it from an operational perspective, the business model. Again, we interact with the regulators, we interact with the governments, and so on and so forth. But it's not just the governments, it's not just the regulators. Credit Info works very closely with the institutions like the World Bank, IFC, so on and so forth. So these concepts are very, very critical to achieve providing access to finance. And to do that one, Credit Info provides data. Credit Info provides solutions to make sense of the data, derive insight out of that data. Some of those solutions are in shape of software. Other solutions are in shape of analytics, you know, building scorecards. And we have the subject matter experts that provide the link, you know, how you take the data, how you modify and massage the data, and how you derive insights out of that one. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because it is clearly built with this developing market focus or this access to credit focus in mind, not just a business with, you know, income coming from its big markets and then has a few high growth markets on the side that it tries to serve. But it's actually built and structurally designed to serve these markets. Something I don't think you would guess when you think of a Scandinavian company. I mean, I recently saw you in Abidjan. You really are all over the world, as you say, to find ways to serve them that work for them, not just that work for a head office. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Abidjan was actually a unique experience because uh, we're talking about the West African Economic and Monetary Union. You know, this is eight countries that have gotten together and are part of that union. Uh, the participants were the central bank of the union, as well as the Ministry of Finance from Ivory Coast. And then the users, the members of the credit bureau. So we got 273 subscribers, 133 banks, and then in the vicinity of uh, 94, 95 
MFIs, microfinance institutions, and 20 uh, financial institutions, basically, in between. And then we have utilities and telcos that also provide data. But the evolution is quite important. So 2017 to 2022, so we're looking at a five-year span, the number of unique companies that we have that is stored in the credit bureau, it's about a five times growth, basically. You know, that is that is an incredible growth story. You got 16,000 in 2017. And then on the last number I have is in the vicinity of 200 and, uh, 307,000. So that, that's magnificent growth. So imagine the dynamics in that meeting that we have. On one side, you know, you got members who have fantastic ideas. You got members who are facing unique challenges. How do you work with them to enable access to concept, access to finance, the very concept that I have mentioned to you, being face-to-face with them, then having the regulator, then having the Ministry of Finance. There's a problem, there's an answer. There's a discussion point, everybody participates. It was a fantastic event, basically. And that's that's the excitement. That's the that's the thrill that you get, you know, being with people that are so motivated, so engaged, so into their businesses. And it's just, you know, Everything is bubbling with ideas. Can we do this? How about this? How about that type of thing? It, it is. It is a great sensation to be a part of that. Yeah. And, um, well, I think two clear pillars of, of the strategy, the access to credit, but also access to credit in particular for SMEs. For you, why is this such an important pair of goals, this combination of sort of access to credit, but in particular for SMEs? I mean, everybody talks about SMEs are the underpinnings of the economy, but it is more true for the emerging markets. The infrastructure that you see in developed markets does not 100% exist over there. The regulators, they have the advantage of, you know, looking at what's happening in the European Union, what is adaptable, what is not adaptable. You know, if you were to put all these together, particularly from an SME perspective, the fintechs basically and other organizations they are enablers from many different angles. Because the infrastructure doesn't exist, they basically overcome that with technology. You know, the digital lending, for instance, particularly in Kenya, you know, in Tanzania, you're talking about small loans. But the way the evolution goes is quite impressive. You start with a loan that's for five euros, six euros. I apply for a loan. I get the loan. I pay it off twice, three times. And then instead of getting a five-euro loan, I get a 10-euro loan. I get a 20-euro loan. That evolution is very quick in, in emerging markets. And again, that is one other point that is particularly exciting for us, being a part of that one. SMEs are struggling. Yes, they're the underpinnings of the economy, but they're struggling. Why are they struggling? Well, The main driver, which is they don't have access to finance. You know, they can't get credit very easily. Then you take another step back and say that, why don't they get credit? You know, the type of balance sheets that you got in the US, in the UK, so on and so forth, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because of the financial circumstances. It doesn't exist because of the infrastructure and so on and so forth. So what we're doing is we're trying to evaluate the situations and come up with solutions that are addressing those particular needs. And as we address those needs, then the wheels start turning. You know, we talk about big data and access to data, but you're right that sort of scientists are always using sort of fruit flies for their experiments because you get so many generations so quickly. You can see evolution happening. You can see changes happening. It's uh, similar that if, if you've got lots of short-term loans, you can learn very quickly something you can't do where maybe you're waiting a month at a time just to see if one payment is made. 
But maybe if we talk about practical tools, what does access to credit look like for SMEs? How are you enabling better access to the credit that they they, they so desperately need? Sometimes for SMEs, especially for micro SMEs, providing data about yourself is very important because at the end of the day, whoever grants credit is looking at your ability, your stability as an, as an institution, as an organization. And that's the point that they need to get across. But this is not in a standardized fashion, you know, for, for most of the SMEs. So the first point is data. How do you get data in a format that captures the basics? This could be trade information. This could be parts of, you know, revenue information, you know, whatever they have, basically. And the creativity that I see in Africa is there are fintechs that capture that trade information coming from SMEs. The basic information about the revenues and costs and expenses and so on and so forth. So we partner with these organizations to take that data, standardize it, put in a format that could be used for regular assessment, periodical assessment of SMEs. That's where we come into play. So now comes to the step that you have mentioned. What do we do with the data? You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The first hurdle was data. The second hurdle is making sense of the data and communicate the ability to pay and stability messages to the lenders. And that is done through the very scorecard that you have mentioned. You know, you can have an SME scorecard, but what we have seen is having a blended scorecard, which is here's the SME's performance. Here's the individual, you know, the owner's performance. If you were to take key information from that, if you were to put it into a predictive model, then we have seen an uplift basically on using either this information or the other information in and of itself. So the combined information provides more more data or more insight. I've worked a little bit with the two types of data, SME and, and consumer, and we've seen, oh yeah, the consumer data is predictive of the performance of the the business, but I've not worked before where we've actually gone out and modeled them with that purpose in mind. It's more a case of, are there some data lying around? Is it predictive? Let's try and use it. So it's great to hear that actions are being taken where this data is combined and then modeled, not just making use of, of what's lying around. There's another concept. We're always thinking about, you know, in terms of the US, UK as the references. If you think about Africa, not everybody lives in big cities. There's quite a large population that lives in rural areas. How do you reach to those individuals? How do you reach to microfinance institutions, the small, tiny, tiny SMEs over there? One solution that we have designed, again, working with you know IFC is uh, coming up with a portal. 
So the individuals or the SMEs, the micro SMEs can go to the portal to ask for credit. And that portal eventually is working with, you know, different financial institutions who look at the applications and make their own decision. We basically provide the link, taking the individuals in different parts of the different parts of Africa or different parts of the country and put them in contact with financial institutions. But again, within that, there is there is many different layers that you need to be thinking about. It's not just providing the portal. You need to make the portal work. You need to really understand the needs of the market because it's not a single language. The portal also should not be addressing only the people who have, who are literate. There's a lot of individuals who just cannot read and write. So we're thinking about, you know, how do we communicate these messages through pictures or through something that you put the mouse on it and it just talks, basically. We're not there yet, but I just wanted to give you a flavor of, you know, how you really need to localize the solutions because otherwise the solution stays here. The market needs are over here and you're not connecting the two and the connecting the two pieces is critical to have it as a success. These are the types of things Credit Info does to support the SMEs and, you know, engage with them uh, and solve the challenges that they're facing in a very, very pragmatic fashion. And we're not saying we're the only ones. We're more than happy to partner, basically, with different institutions. In terms of the impact of those that that you've seen with SMEs, I mean, you've already spoken about the growth and the rapid speed of that in West Africa in terms of bringing SMEs into the fold. We've spoken a little bit about East Africa, but I, I saw you recently in Spain. You were recently in Cambodia. You're all over the world. What impacts have you seen from these initiatives? We have been, you know, tracking the performance from an NPL perspective. But when we design the scorecards, when we start using the scorecards, over time, basically, we have seen a stabilization of that NPL performance. And that, in turn, directly reflects into the lending processes. That is an indication that the lenders are feeling more comfortable with the insight that they're getting, and they're lending more and more. This is something that we have seen tangibly in Kenya. That reminds me of another engagement that we have. This time, it's in Pakistan. Pakistani Banking Association, basically, for individuals who are in financial needs, provide basic housing to them, allowing them to acquire a house. How do you do that assessment when there's not a lot of data? How do you, you know, go about the the two foundational questions, basically, ability and stability? We're engaging, you know, with our partners in Pakistan to find a solution for that one. Yeah, more great stories to hear of sort of positive changes international pressures that you you react to aren't always just overcoming things like logistical problems or infrastructure gaps. Yeah, I see you doing a lot of work as a credit info with the situation in Ukraine right now, working with MBKI to build an online chatbot to help Ukrainians fleeing that invasion to access and, and share their credit histories. I can give you a brief background on that one. Absolutely. You know, as you indicated, there's many Ukrainians who have left their country. And at the end of the day, in your country, you had a credit history. You are going to a different country and all of a sudden you start from zero. So what we designed is basically a quick access, you know, using one of the messenger tools, an easy, verified, confirmed way of making sure that it is you who's asking for the information. Go ahead and get the information, tap into your credit history in Ukraine, and then feed it back to the country that you're operating. And it turned out to be quite a popular way of, again, providing access to credit concept, enabling that particular concept. We're quite proud of having done that one. But again, the credit goes to the team, our Ukrainian team, 
who came up with that idea. The, the, the whole concept is you need to put yourself into the customer's shoes and the solution needs to be relevant to the problems that you're facing. And that was the success of the team, basically. That's what they managed. These are the day-to-day challenges they're doing. We can't develop a solution that's going to take a long time. What is a quick win that we can have that will have a positive impact on individuals' lives? Like I said, in a short time frame, you can see the impact that you're creating. And this is, this is something fantastic. It's really difficult to describe, basically. The, you know, the value that brings to you from an emotional perspective, satisfaction perspective. Yeah. And I guess it's, um, there's always something happening. I'm sure you're always being challenged to sort of come up with solutions in, in difficult circumstances. But obviously the world is uh, more volatile at the moment than it has been for a while. We're seeing interest rates again sort of rising after being stable at historic lows for, for the past decade or so. But how is Credit Info reacting to this? How are you seeing these sort of the lenders and the borrowers in the countries you serve react to and adapt to the volatility, the inflationary pressures we're seeing in the world at the moment? We are basically in constant contact with the government entities trying to get additional information because at the end of the day, it's all about information, basically. So if I can enrich the data to give a slightly different dimension on an individual or on an SME, basically, that might be the one that would get the tick mark on the you know loan processing perspective. We are uh, engaging with revenue authorities in East African countries. We are in engagement with different entities from a, the alternative data, so to speak. We're talking to telcos and gathering telco information to come up with alternative ways of scoring. You know, the digitalization process is really enabling us to tap into alternative data sources that we can use in a tangible way, again, in a decisioning process. We're also, again, working with the World Bank, IFC, to look into access to finance, not only from SME's perspective, but youth, uh, from females, you know. Is there equality over there? Over time, is there, you know, development? Are we progressing in the right way? What are the things, what are the type of loans, one versus the other one, There is constant communication. There is constant benchmarks that is being exchanged with various entities. We feel like we are in the middle of these changes and we're the ones providing these benchmarks, these insights, of course, with the guidance of different entities and with their feedback. But again, this is a very, very interesting, very engaging place to be. And the whole team is quite motivated about that one, you know, looking into these types of actions because whatever trends you observe, you share it with different organizations, and they do something about that. Yeah, I can see why that's so motivating. And I think what's also really interesting to hear, hear you describe there is the, the fact that you're right in the middle of shaping these, the lending ecosystems in the markets you serve. And if I think back to some of the bureau projects I've been involved in where we've perhaps launched a new bureau in a country, it's been more reactive. It's been driven by something like, the World Bank had the old uh, ease of doing business scorecard and, and you'd get a point for having a credit bureau there. So maybe a government organization would see that and encourage the, the lending industry, the banking industry, and to get some bureaus involved. And then the banks would get together and go through a process that establish a bureau and, and share the data between the big five or 10 banks, whatever it was in each country, and kind of go about their business as usual now with a little bit more security from, from data sharing. But the Bureau was 
following the lending industry rather than kind of helping to shape it. Yeah, that's really a lot more motivating. You just reminded me of something. Right after this call, I have a call with our CEO from Kenya. The topic is there has been an election in Kenya and there's a new president. And one of the new president's initiative for the first 100 days is to come up with a fund for the people who really and truly need credit, the, the, the layer of the population that is in need of that little support, basically, financially. Our team, our local team in Kenya is basically going to be a part of that with the uh, talco organizations, with lenders and so on and so forth. But the team literally volunteered to be a part of that one. And they are one of the, you know, driving groups of that initiative. That's what I just wanted to share with you. You know, the whole team in all these different emerging markets, you know, from West Africa to East Africa to Southeastern Asia, they pretty much rolled up their sleeves and they're just basically getting engaged with their customers, with the regulators to to figure out how we can how we can make a little bit tiny bit of a change. Yeah, and um I know from speaking to to Paul last time that yeah, each of these teams they they're putting out a lot of information on their own uh LinkedIn pages, their own social media pages. There's a lot of content coming out of Credit Info in terms of blog posts and thought pieces and just updates on the market. If people are listening and they want to track what Credit Info is doing, where is a good place for them to go? and keep track of your team's work, or I guess the, the broader organization's work? First, you mentioned LinkedIn. It's certainly, there. you can go to Credit Info's LinkedIn page. But more importantly, there's creditinfo.com. Come and see us there. You can basically see different countries, you know, regardless of your geographical location. Or if you want to you know, focus on particular geographical location, you got all the contact information. You can get all the details. If you want to have an overview, it is there. If you want to dive into details, it is there. But if you want to talk to an individual, contact information is there as well. We're here to help. <laughs> Great to hear. And Borg, before I let you go, you're obviously putting in lots of things in lots of places. Is there anything on the horizon that we we can be keeping an eye out, any developments that people should be going to creditinfo.com to see progress? Recently, our team in Iceland has come up with a fantastic ESG solution. I think you should go to creditinfo.com and it is a fantastic way of doing that assessment in a very comprehensive way, very pragmatic solution, as I indicated. We're very proud of that one. And over time, we will be rolling it out in different parts of the world. There's plans for that one. That that really makes us proud, uh, leading uh, on that aspect as well, in addition to what we have been doing. Perfect. I'll put a link to that directly in the notes, but certainly worth going to, to look at. Borak, it's been great chatting to you again been a pleasure having you on the show and really again great to hear the work that credit info is doing in terms of access to credit in some of these markets that don't always get the focus uh, that they deserve so yeah always makes me happy to hear these stories pleasure is mine brandon very very good talking to you and thank you all for listening please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on linkedin where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England. Show music is by I Am Wake. And you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 